God to die, and he died this morning, how long would it take you to figure it out? Would it be instant for you? Would you wait till the evening news? Would you search social media, Facebook, Instagram? Would you be in shock? What would your reaction be if I were to tell you that God died this morning, if that were possible? What's your response? Would there be an emotional response? Would there be that denial in your heart? Would you start asking questions? Well, what is your response to the mass exodus of our Christian youth when they graduate from high school? Did you know that that over 70 to 75% of our youth leave the church after high school? That's three out of four Christians. They just walk away. It's as if they graduate high school, they graduate from church. And we're seeing it over and over and over. And it ain't just happening at Solid Rock. It's happening all over. It's happening in our counties, happening in our states, happening in our country. A mass exodus of children, of Christian youth, walking away. Well, how would you respond today if your son or daughter came up to you and they said, you know what, Mom, Dad, I don't believe in God anymore. Would you be upset? Would you start to blame somebody else? Would you point to the church and tell them it's their fault because they have not done a good job of teaching you? Or would you look at yourselves and say, you know what? I don't blame you because we don't live like we're Christians anyways. Would you point to the school and you say, it's got to be this school system. They're always teaching about evolution. No wonder why you don't believe in God. Would you be upset? Well, I'm here to tell you, if we don't take the turnaround, that's exactly what our children and our youth are going to do. They're going to walk away from the church, and they're going to tell you they no longer believe in God. We have an issue. And in Jesus' time, he had an issue. The people there were turning away from God. Time and time again, we can read it in the Old Testament. They turned their, way, their faces from God. They turned their faces from God over and over and over. And we had to see the times where God had to come down and bring back the people to him. In this very instance, Matthew chapter 9, starting in the 35th verse, we see Jesus going from town to town. Now, he was not on a sightseeing tour. He clearly knew what Jerusalem looked like. He knows what the nation of Israel looks like. He knows what the planet looks like. So he's not there to see their sights. He's not there to be entertained. He's on a mission. He's going place to place. The Bible says he goes town to town, village to village. He's looking for something. He's got a work that has to be done. And though he is being opposed, everywhere he goes, he continues on. He does this elegantly over and over again. He's preaching the gospel. He's telling the people about the kingdom of heaven that is very much near. Now, it's interesting that he does this over and over again. Why do you think Jesus was so passionate about teaching about the kingdom of heaven? Is it possible that's where he's been? He knows what it looks like. The angels and Jesus know what heaven looks like. There's no denying what they've seen. They've witnessed the blessings. They've witnessed the music. They've witnessed God's glory. And yet, 
Now they are here on earth to go tell others. They're passionate about what they've seen because they've been there. Now you ask, what is he preaching it for? He's preaching because he does not want the people to go to hell. That is what he's trying to save them from. You know, there's a good word that can sum up what hell's like. And I'm not, my sermon's not on hell. But it's a good, good summarization of what hell is like. It's where God is not. Could you imagine this planet without God? If you think it's bad now, if it looks like it's falling apart, if you're witnessing the brutality of the Middle East and the wars that are going on and the non-acts of kindness that happen every day, could you imagine it even more without God? Could you imagine it? No God, no forgiveness, no acts of kindness, no love, no mercy. Could you imagine what it would be without God? If you think it's so bad now, it would be a lot, lot worse. There would be no more words of encouraging to the depressed. There would be no words sung to God in praise to thank him for the things he does for us each and every day. You know, Jesus, Jesus tells us what the sound of hell sounds like. He says it sounds like the weeping and gnashing of teeth. And all that awaits there are the condemned already. Those who refuse the gift of salvation. You know, that's why Jesus went from town to town, seeking people, hoping to change their hearts. Because if you're like Jesus and you look into the face of the saved, you're just one grave away from being just like him. But if you're like Jesus and you look into the face of the unsaved, then you know they are also one grave away from not being with him. And that was what he desired. He wanted to seek out the people. He had to tell them what was to come. The goodness or the horror? The horror of hell. That time when you're separated from God, that weeping and gnashing of teeth. That torment that's to be expected. So in verse 35, we see Jesus going from town to town. Not only did he go from town to town, but he went into their synagogues. He went into their churches. You know, this is the part I like the best, because this is the one I really get into about looking at at the synagogues and at the worships. They were assembled. They gathered together. They were seeking something. And here enters Jesus. But he doesn't just go to the the rich towns. He doesn't just go to the poor towns. He goes to every town preaching and healing so that all that believed on those accounts could believe and see it and witness it so that you and I could experience it also. So he goes to the public worships where he will bear witness. So why do we put so much faith or so much emphasis on assembling? Well, if the people of God put so much emphasis on assembling and Jesus sought that that was a good place to go teach, it's very important to us that we also assemble. And inside of our assemblies, we should be preaching about the word of God and the dangers of not listening to the word of God. And so we see this importance, and he considers it important, and I consider it important. Many churches, our attendance is down. Discipleship is down. And we see problems occurring in people's lives, and there seems to be no solutions in our forefront. Now, I'm always shocked at the level of non-importance believers put on assembly. 
is as if Sunday should be a day off for them. I enjoy a day off, but I enjoy coming and giving glory to our God for what he did for us, for what he did for us on the cross. I don't put that on the back burner. And I tell my youth, it's important that you come to youth service. It's important that you come to Wednesday night Bible study. These are important because they're assembling with like-minded people, and in like-minded people, iron sharpens iron. So it's important that we see this. And so Jesus seeks these places out, preaching the good news of the kingdom. And when he gets there, this is the part I love the most. This is that part I love the most. You know, the people of Israel should have been a blessed people. And they were blessed. There was a bunch of them. It doesn't sound like there's any shortage of people happening here. It's always in abundance. They're always assembled. God poured out his blessing upon his people for one reason, so that they, in turn, would show the rest of the world who he was. Here they are failing. But Jesus has come to seek them out. He's come to tell them the good news. He's seeking them out, and what he starts to notice, that there seems to be a lack of leaders. Where are they at? Why are you not being taught? Sit down, let me teach you. The lack of leadership that was going on then is going on today. A lack of leaders, a lack of compassion for others. I love it right here in the next verse, in verse 36. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. The writer wrote compassion on them. That means they must have saw something in Jesus' face. You know, I tried to put myself in this whole situation throughout the Thanksgiving meal. I was trying to figure it out. Like, what did... What did the writer see on Jesus' face that he had to put that word compassion? You know, I, and I tried to do it myself. I tried to look at my own kids, and I'm thinking, when they, even they mess up, I still got compassion for them. I still love them. But there must have been something on him. He must have been looking at him and like, it was not supposed to be like this. I had planned perfect for you. What's going on? How did this get so bad so quickly? That compassion, you know, he had to be overcome with sorrow. And so he's like, he's going around on a frenzy, he's healing people and picking people up, and he's having pity upon them. And not only does he have a pity on their physical appearance, but he's having sorrow in his heart for their souls because the leaders have a lack of vision. They're burdened the people. It says they were harassed. They were burdened by the traditions, by the notions of unwise words. He sought their souls, and that's what brought that compassion from heaven to earth and from earth to the cross. We were meant to be flawless, and our leaders today are still not doing their jobs. They're stuck in vainless notions and burdened our tra- with traditions, and they delude us into making many mistakes, not, within our, not only within our churches, but within our government. Not only were they doing it then, they're, we're doing it now. They say we're on a repeat process. And the leaders, they just harassed the people. It's like a never-ending cycle here. And they were helpless. And, the, and then the writer goes on. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. A borrowed phrase out of Second Kings. Sheep without expression is an expression set forth that sad condition of a lack of faithful guides to go before and lead in the ways of God. You see, sheep are more apt to go astray than other creatures. And when they do, they are helpless and exposed and unable to find their way home again. And so the writer compares the people that Jesus has witnessed him before like sheep 
Because here they are, helpless. No one to walk over them. No one to lead them. They're like they're left alone in their fight. And then there's Jesus. And he starts healing. And he starts witnessing. And then he goes on to verse 37. This is, this is the part that should speak to you and I. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. You know, Jesus was very much aware of the situation that was going on. He knew that his day was coming to an end. He knew that he was going to be leaving. And you got to know the people, as they started to figure this out, his disciples started to figure this out, they knew they were going to be left alone. And so Jesus offers a solution. He says, ask in prayer the Lord of the harvest, therefore to send out workers into the harvest field. You know, most commonly in our lives, we don't think that God is aware of our situation. We don't acknowledge that God is still walking with us daily. And we tend to think that we're fighting the battle all by ourselves. But in verse 37, this is where Jesus is, is knows this is going on. God knows this is going on. He knows there are those that are out there lost. He knows there are those that need to be found. He knows we're like sheep without shepherds. He knows these things, and therefore he offers a solution. He says, you have to ask. I'm leaving. You have to ask for more. But you need to be specific about it. You need to ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers. Not those that are just there to stand and criticize. You need to send out workers, the workers who are commissioned, workers who are ordained, workers who have accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And because they have accepted their Lord and Savior, they're willing to give it back. They're willing to go to no ends to tell others about Jesus, no matter the persecution they're going to face, and no matter the cowardless things that are going to happen to them because people are going to ridicule them to no end. They are the ones we need. They're the workers we've got to have because our youth are suffering. I visit a Bible study at Eastside High School. It's the one, I do that one and I do a, a couple other ones. And there's only a few kids that show up. And me and the other youth pastor that have been there for the last couple of weeks, we always sit there and say, we'd love to keep this going. We want to keep this going because they're just so desiring to hear these words. They need this stuff. They need to know that we care. And it's not just at Eastside. We need to get this thing going back at Alcove. We need to get this stuff going over at Newton. We need to get these at the middle schools. And it's just so few of us, we don't have time. I could just run my head off trying to go school to school to school. We need more people. We need more people who are faithful, skillful, wise, willing to study and give it back. Who are not about themselves. We're in the need today for the conversion of sinners. And to give them that special spiritual gift so that they can go forth and do the work. Prayer should not just be limited for ourselves any longer. We have got to pray for others. We've got to pray that God will continue to send more. We're a shortage here at Solid Rock. There's only two people in children's church every Sunday. Mr. Patrick and my wife. That's it. Two people. And we had a, and this was a relatively small crowd up here. There's usually 40-something kids in children's church, if not more. And two people, they're only people that are willing to sacrifice their time to go spend it with children. Awanas is in the same boat. 
except for some reason our parents aren't putting the emphasis on bringing their kids to Awanas. We have workers and no harvest. It's like the opposite effect. We need you to show up. Youth, we need you to show up on Wednesdays. That's when we do our times and when we dig into our Bible so that you can be, be given wisdom and knowledge so that when you leave out of there on that Wednesday evening, you go to Thursday morning, you can share with your friends, and you can share with your families. Hey, this is what I learned about Jesus. Let me tell you about him. But we need more. You know, it's interesting, the Bible doesn't say for the Lord to send out the harvest for the one-time work that's going to be done in the harvest field. It tells us, can sing it therefore, the workers, the plural, into the harvest field. Because there's so much work to be done. So much work to be done. So this isn't just a plea so that y'all can see children's church grow or see solid rock grow. It's because we should be pouring out our hearts. If Jesus saw the emphasis and the compassion he had and offered the solution, we should therefore be doing it ourselves. It's like a command for us to pray to send out the workers for the harvest. As our vocalists come up and invitation comes, we did this in, in the first service, and I encourage you to do it in the second service.